Lankin, Lankin, baby. Welcome to that pitch podcast. <laughs> What's up, Mark? <laughs> I hope that every time uh, we talk, I become more uh, just like music industry, like uh, just kind of skeezy guy, like Lankin, baby. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my goal from now on, dude. Anyways, full, full mafia music. Dude, that's, that's my goal. Like, there's. Um, I feel like every, I don't know if this has been in your, in your experience, but like every venue I've played, every rehearsal studio I've gone to, every studio I've gone to, there was always like one just kind of skeezy dude, but you loved them for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. it's, it's, it's kind of funny because like I was talking to one of my buddies and he was like, um, man, there's just like a lot of people in the music industry that just seem like, you know, skeezy or a little bit sketch. And I'm like, no. I love them for it. It's just like you got to lean into it. They come in. Their name's Lefty. They're wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I love it. I love. It. Anyways, <laughs> all right. Lincoln, well, I'll make sure to buy a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> thank you. And gold chain. Um. Yeah. Anyways, dude. Uh, enough about uh, Hawaiian shirts, gold chains, all that stuff. Um, you've been with that pitch for a while. I consider you a good buddy of mine at this point. Um, we've hung out in person and you've just like become a go-to for cinematic music for just like a bunch of our clients and you kill it and you're really good at what you do and you're a great guy. Uh, you just landed my placements <laughs> just now. So um, I just wanted to talk to you and talk about your story, everything. Does that make, is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Those are huge compliments. So thank you. And yeah, let's, we, Let's get into it. I was just, I was just telling you we uh, are bringing on a client like in the next couple of months, <clears throat> and uh, they specifically asked because they've worked with another company that we work with before, and uh, I guess they know your name, and they were specifically asking, "Hey, is Lincoln still in the TP?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, <laughs> for sure." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, anyways. Let's start out. Where are you from? And I just want to go back to the start of music career and everything, man. Yeah, uh, originally from Texas kind of in the Dallas area, but far enough, far enough away from Dallas to not be Dallas. But uh, <laughs> yeah, from Texas. And I moved to Nashville, Tennessee uh, to go to college. Okay. Where'd you yeah. go? And Belmont? I've been here, <clears throat> MTSU, Middle Tennessee. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Right on. yeah so they have, they have like a songwriting program and audio production program, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. How uh, yeah, was, was that? Was that kind of like always your goal to go to music school or? Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to do music like in high school. Knew that was what I was gonna do. Um, I didn't. I could. I never could have dreamed that it would look how it does now. Uh, jobs. You know, when you're in high school, you don't know all the jobs that are in the music industry, right? And you have to, <laughs> you have to figure it out as you go. And you're like, okay, I know that people work in music and do things, uh, but a lot of people don't know what those things are. Did um, you? So, did you imagine that you were gonna be kind of like in the sync space? Because I didn't even know about it really back then. No, I didn't. I didn't know that composing was a job. I didn't know that sync music was a thing. I didn't know any of that. I, I knew that you could be an artist or maybe maybe I had some kind of idea what a producer was. Um, but that's that's about it. That's all I knew. And so I just I just moved somewhere where I knew that I would learn the things I didn't know, even though so, I didn't know what they were. Yeah, I was uh, actually mentioned this probably in another episode, but one of the first studios I worked at uh, was... Uh, Charles Holloman Productions here in Charleston. They did like voiceovers for him and stuff like that. And uh, I remember she got like this gig 
to do it was like basically like every radio station like around America for like this company and you know how they do like 96.7 the drive like that yeah. and then and then they have like the they have like a bunch of vocalists in the back that like in the back I guess he got a gig where it was like 200 something stations and they just had to do every single number um but it was like commercial and it's so random and he was like dude yeah this seems boring as hell but there's a lot of money in it and so like you just never know you know yeah like who who would wake up and say i want to do music for a living and expect right. to be recording <laughs> like intros for radio stations right yeah so um you found yourself in dallas and you're like all right i don't know exactly what you know is there for me in the music industry but this is you know thug life chose me i'm gonna do it so you moved to Tennessee, you go to MTSU. How was your experience there? It was it was really good because I, I learned those things I didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, I I was originally like a songwriting degree and okay. I learned I learned that I I liked producing and I switched to audio production and to having an audio production degree opens you up to so many different things you can do in music, you know. There's the live sound side, there's post production side, there's producing. There's a, there's a lot of things that most people don't know exist. And so I, I learned what all those things are and slowly, very, very slowly over time, started figuring out which one of those things interested me the most, which ones I want to do, how am I actually going to do that and start building it. Um, and, and that makes it sound like I very much had it together and figured things out. But I, I really just switched between wanting to do different things and for a long, for a long time uh, to land where I am now. So, yeah, I mean, for, for me, like kind of my come up, like within production, it started from drum and like, cause I was just like MD and I don't know if it was like for you, but like, you just take a bunch of gigs and you figure out what you don't like. <laughs> it's like very easy to figure out what you don't like and you just cross that off and you're like, all right, what else is next? And then you try that and you finally figure out, okay, what, what is doable for me every single day enjoying? And I, I, yeah, I feel like that's more common in our industry. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah. Out of college, I did a ton of gigs. I didn't want to do because just, I needed money. <laughs> uh, of course we like, I feel like everyone does that in the beginning, unless you have a huge break early on, but, yeah. um, what, but what I also did things. Oh no, you go. Sorry. Uh, oh, but I also did things that, uh, that I thought I did want to do. And then mm. you do them for a while and you realize, I don't think I could do this in 20 years. And I want to have mm. a career in 20 years. So, you know, what, what, what were, do? what were those kind of gigs? Like the ones that you aspired um, to do that you realized made fit? Yeah. Well, it was one, one of the things that I really thought I wanted to do was produce for artists. Like that's okay. the thing that I thought would be what I'm going to do till I retire, you know? Yeah. And, and it's not, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I still do. I still do some artist work, Yeah. but, uh, and, but I work, with the few artists that I, a few artists that I enjoy working with, um, and I have fun doing it because I don't do it all the time every day. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an all time every day kind of passion for me working for artists. So yeah. figuring that out took me a couple years. Uh, what, and so what yeah. what kind of stuff were you working on with artists? Because uh, I know like you originally come from like the CCM world. I think we kind of yeah. a little bit discussed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I was doing mostly like worship and ccm and southern gospel like that all the oh, nice. christian all the christian genres yeah. um and and pop music i was i was doing some pop music too a lot of crossover um, yeah and i was and i was doing all that and it was it was fun and it was great and but i also thought you know this isn't my absolute favorite thing to do mm -hmm. my absolute favorite thing is when i'm like doing 
the sink type of thing. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes it, sometimes you spend a couple of years chasing something down and you realize this isn't where my true passion is. And you have to make a hard, hard break and say, okay, I'm going to start going down a, a different path. So that's, I feel like that's how it was for me. I don't know if this, this has been the case, like what you've experienced, but I feel like 99% of people leave music before they kind of power through to find the one or couple things that is really like a good fit for their lifestyle. I think, mm -hmm. you know, growing up, we're constantly told what our dreams should be in music, not what we actually find to be just a really good life for ourselves. You know, like you're, if you're, if you don't yeah. have a top 40 or something like that, like it's not considered sexy and cool, but like, you don't have to be in music to be cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's really cool that you had that kind of a uh, realization to make that switch, if that makes any sense. Did you have like yeah. a specific well, time or a period where you were just like, I think I need to focus a little bit elsewhere? Yeah, it was, it was like right before COVID. Mm, um, how was that? Okay. So it's two, two years ago, almost, or is it like two and a half now? I don't know. Yeah. But I was like, I really, I really want to be doing this, the sync thing. I really want to dive into it. I want, I don't, I don't want to be doing full-time artist stuff. I'd love to be doing a lot of sync. And then just do a couple artist projects that I that I love the people and love yeah. love working with them. Um, so it, yeah, that's where it kind of that's where the shift started to happen. And and it's daunting at first because you're like, okay, I've started to build something for a couple of years, um, and I know it's going to take me a couple more years of building to start this new thing. So it's it's scary, but uh, it's something something that's really carried me through that is uh, if you if you really want to do something, doesn't matter how long it's going to take. You know, if you're worried, you know, if you're very worried about how long something's going to take that maybe it's not what you want to be doing. But if you really love something, you're, you're going to want to do it if it takes you a year or if it takes you 10 years, like you're just going to do it anyways. So I, I found that in sync. I didn't, I didn't find that level of passion in touring. I didn't find it in working with artists, clients. I didn't, I didn't find it doing any type of live sound thing. I found it in sync music. So well, I think yeah. another thing, you know, with sync or like modern music licensing, right? There's like that traditional kind of sync stuff where, you know, that the big Audi commercial, and then there's like more modern music licensing, getting in catalogs and like building up, right? Like whether it's more traditional or more new age, the fact is what I kind of found what was so about sync, any kind of licensing, um, as opposed to my career producing artists. And keep in mind, like, I still do that. I love it. Um, but I, yeah, like you, have become, a, I've become more selective, uh, not in like a cocky way, but just lifestyle way. Like what, what's going to be feeding me emotionally and financially doing this, you know, like I, I can't, it, it has to be worth it. Uh, I, I need to be in it all the way. But something that I found was really different, uh, forcing is it compounds like in my production career, you really, it, it kind of goes two ways. Either you do something work for hire, right? They pay you a couple grand to do a track or you do a split on back end. So you'll do like, fit, what's, yeah, if it's like Nashville splits, right? It's like 50-50. Or if there's three people in the room, everyone yeah. gets 33%, right? Um, I'm on East Coast, so we're a little bit more stingy. But like Nashville splits usually work <laughs> like that. And um but, you know, it was like one or the other. So either you were making a really long-term investment um, or it was like straight up, I'm just going to get paid for this. What I found what was interesting with Sync and 
and you know whether it's a non-exclusive or an exclusive or whatever it is is that you're going to you get up front a lot of times and you get back end and it continues to grow because the difference is mm-hmm. is that if you're working with an independent artist 99.9 percent of the time you're putting faith into them that they are going to manage that song they're going to continue to build that song and get penalties or whatever if you do a back end the thing is with sync is like you're dealing with corporations <laughs> like it is within their best best interest from a legal perspective to make sure that your music is managed properly and that it's continuing to make you money because it makes them money. That's very true that's very and, true i never thought of that yes. dynamic so yeah. like it's it's just one of those things where i think in music like i think it's one of the few things that compounds and I think that's why people get here and they get they get really comfortable, like in a good way. It's like the first time there's mm-hmm. some level of comfort within music. Because if you're touring, like, and let me know if, if, if I'm wrong in this, but my experience in touring <clears throat> is that if you got a, uh, you know, like a spot date or you got on a leg of a tour or something like that, you'd be on the road for maybe a week, maybe two or something. Then you were off and then it was like famine again. And you're like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. So you might teach, might try to get some session work. You know, some people like work at a coffee shop if, if their boss is cool, you know. And it was, it was linear. It's like I trade my time, my effort right now for this payment. And with Sync, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It's like I'm going to do this work and it's just going to grow over time. And like I'm going to be able to retire. Like I can – I have some checks coming in from different places. Yeah, yeah. Sync, sync music is uh, in, very inviting to me because it's an actual retirement plan for me. Right. Well, <laughs> Nothing it's... else I've done really has any kind of retirement even possible. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, we we know all the all the dudes in the industry that you know they've been at it for a while and they maybe never found their their stride. You know, not nothing against them. They're usually fucking amazing people. Right. Um, but they never found that stride where like they have to do, you know, you're in Nashville. They have to play the Broadway gigs. Like nobody likes playing those gigs. <laughs> they have to play wedding gigs. Yeah. Nobody likes playing wedding gigs. It's like, it's, I haven't met more miserable people going to a wedding than every single band I played with playing at a wedding. You know, <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> it's like you go in and you're like, Definitely. I hope these people get divorced. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but you know, it's like you, you trade that time or you teach or whatever and sync it and publishing. It's not like that. You're, you're building a real estate portfolio that's just going to give you dividends over time. It's so not sexy. And I think that's what's cool about it. It's kind of boring in like a good way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, so you made, you made that transition over to sync. And, you know, when you, when you kind of, I guess you said, was it early 22? Or 2020 or late 2019? When was that? I think it was early 2020. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, that's when I did, I, I started this EVOE project thing, yeah, whatever man. that is. And, uh, and I made it. I was like, I don't, I didn't really know what to do, but I was like, I'm going to make an EP of a couple like sync tracks and see if I can place it with anyone. Uh, and sure enough, uh, uh, that pitch brief came along and I just. <laughs> right I just submitted them all. I was like, okay, I'll probably, I might, I might not land anything. I don't really ever land these, but I'll just, I'll just try this. And if, if they take it, sure. Yeah. Know, that'll figure it out for me. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll take one or two and then I'll make another track and have this full EP again and mm-hmm. do my thing with it. But that pitch took all of them. And that was, <laughs> that was kind of the start, oh, I guess. Dude, yeah. I remember, oh my God, I remember that. Cause we, <laughs> yeah. okay, this is, can I share this story? This is yeah, a funny Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. So I think it'd be good. Good to share. 
Yeah, because because it, it I feel as though it was definitely the right advice for you, and I think it's paid off very mm-hmm. well. Um, so here's the thing in in sync: there's non-exclusive deals, there's exclusive deals, right? Non-exclusive, you know, that's where you put your babies, right? It's like that's where I put like I worked on these forever. I love these songs. I'm emotionally attached. And then there's the exclusive stuff. And you can love them and everything, but you can be more emotionally disconnected to them. It's like all the tracks that you may not be the number one that you're pushing. Um, And that's kind of how I've always approached it. Well, Mm -hmm. back then, because this was like earlier, this was like early 2020, I didn't have a lot of those like systems like really, really put in place to like reject certain songs if they didn't meet certain criteria, right? And so I remember you... uh, landed like all the tracks that you uploaded for this one kind of deal and it was a good deal but rather had it non-exclusive for that and I yeah, remember- that's all that's all i had in sync right music. those right, six cause... tracks were all i had i was yep. just starting it that's all i had so i was i was holding it way too close to the chest yeah but, but yeah. and now you've had you know, made like hundreds of tracks and stuff right but what, you know, a big thing that I think is very, very in music is to, I don't know how like else to put this other than to take a little hit for a long term. And what I mean with that is like, for instance, when, when Burberry reached out originally, like to work, you know, directly, <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't a massive deal. It wasn't like one of those TV commercials where we hear it's like 150 grand or something, right? If anything, I kind of thought it was like under budget, but I was just like, I don't care. We're just going to make it work because what am I going to do? When I land this Burberry, I'm going to go around to Puma, Nike, Adidas, everybody else and say, Hey, we work with Burberry, you know? And it was the same thing. I was like, dude, do you have any experience in sync prior to this? And, you know, you were pretty yeah. fresh, right? Yeah. At, at the time, yeah. now you're very seasoned, but at the time you were pretty fresh. And you had a friend that reached out and was like, dude, this isn't like a $50,000 deal. Why are you not doing it? I was like, no, <laughs> shut up, friend. Like this, is, I'm telling you, just like leverage this for everything else. Cause you're going to get a shitload more. Once you're in, it's so much easier to get placements. Because it's just that proof of concept. It's companies saying, yes, this works. Okay, it's a trusted source. Good. All right, let's load it up. Let's get everything else. And I remember I called you on the phone. Because you were, at the time, you were a little nervous. You were like, I don't know. Oh, I was, yeah, I was, I was definitely, yeah, I'm not afraid to say it. I was definitely, like, thinking, should I do this or not? Yeah, well, the thing, like, now, (laughs) now on the site, it's like, you can't renege. Like, once, it's like, in our terms of service, it's uploaded, you know, that, you are agreeing that these terms are okay. Back then, you know, I I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I was kind of figuring it out. (laughs) And so... Um, I was just like, dude, like, just don't renege this. Like, I promise it's going to be good for you. Like, without me involved, like, because I don't make money off of your placement. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. And you're like, okay, like, I trust you. And you landed those, like, five or six tracks. And you've landed. Yeah. I mean, just, you go ahead. <laughs> you, you know what? On, uh, I, got a, I got a royalty statement on the December 29th, like, four days ago, I think. And one of those tracks was on there. Made me a bunch of money yeah. four days ago yeah. for something two years ago. Yeah. So Air 5, bro. Air 5. Give me Air 5. My man. I, but, that's, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, I think a lot of people in sync, um, actually just the music industry in general, I feel like the loudest advice is often from people who just have a little bit of experience in it and just know enough. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you read an article, what does sync placements pay? 
It's like at least twenty thousand dollars. It's just like, what are you talking about? Like, there's millions of different types of sync and licensing deals, and they are everything from zero upfront to over a million dollars. You know, it's there is no right. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. just, is this worth it for you? Like, you put a couple hours into these tracks, right? Is that okay? Could you leverage that for more stuff? Like. Yeah, you know. And well, that, well, yeah, at, the, at the time, at the time, like, because I'm sure there's people out there that that feel like I felt those two years ago. Sure, it didn't feel like a couple hours I put in right. those tracks. It was every, it was everything I had. Yeah, I put so much into those, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna give this away, and it's not gonna be a huge, you know, huge stacks in my bank account, right, up front. But it, yeah, it's it's led the way to not just those six tracks, but sixty and a hundred, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, you have to, the way to look at sync and again, like non-exclusive deals are totally awesome. Like, and like, there's nothing against that. They're amazing. But what comes with non-exclusive deals typically is a lot of, you know, it, we're fixing some stuff that in our new platform is going to solve a lot of these problems. But traditionally in non-exclusive, it's like, yeah, it's like a $50,000 deal. Okay, you get a brief. It was sent to 10,000 other people. You're, you don't know if your contact is directly on that deal or is connected to another person who's connected to another person. And yeah. By the time yeah. it gets to you, you don't actually know it. Also, you don't know how many revisions you have to do. Um, you have no communication whatsoever. And so it's like, yeah, that 50 grand deal is great, but you pitched a thousand times to get. And the mm-hmm. amount of revisions and work was, it really came out to like a $50 deal. <laughs> You know? Yeah, that's so um, true. Yeah, whereas like this, big... yeah, the smaller payments, it's okay because it just grows over time. That's the whole deal. It's like, you know, get rich slowly. That's my whole, you know, <laughs> that's how I tell everybody. Hey, if, if you get rich slow, you won't get poor slow or yeah, you won't get well, poor fast. Yeah, well, it's, it's just you're building, you're yeah. building a career. You're not like everybody I know who's like a star or something like that never got anywhere. But everyone was like, yeah, I just like want to continue to improve, make more happen. Those are the guys with Grammys Mm -hmm. and like massive records that I know at least, you know? Yeah. So So, anyways, but yeah, man, I'm glad uh, you took that advice at the time because obviously it's paid for itself a thousand times. (laughs) Um, Man, I'm I'm stoked for you. This, it makes me happy. Like uh, outside of this interview, it's just it's just really funny because I remember we were on the call at that point. I just like started realizing, you know, what that pitch was becoming. I was like, Oh, like there's all these music licensing companies and they have issues. And like, I think we can solve all of these things, you know? And uh, I was figuring it out. You were figuring it out at the time. And yeah, we were both worried. I was worried about the deal. You were worried about me, you know, messing up your connection with not taking the deal. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't even about that. Like, to be honest, it's that I, I knew, like, I understood the deal structures. I, I had plenty of friends, like in legal and copyright. I just understood that like, you were going to lose a lot of money if you didn't do. And I felt so convicted at the time. I was like, (laughs) yeah, it's kind of going to fuck up some of my relations. Um, I could probably patch that, but you're going to be shooting yourself in the foot. Like, and that's, that's just going to suck for you. Like, don't do it. I'm telling you, <laughs> like, don't listen to your friend. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he just doesn't under, like, I think a big thing like that. I don't know if you've experienced this, but like when the loudest people in the corner of your industry, when you realize that they don't know what they're talking about, <laughs> 
like that get that gets really difficult because you're you're like ah i don't want to be cocky but like you don't understand this new thing that's going you know and it's good yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's 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 hard because a lot of the people that know what's happening are, are silent yes uh, so i i will so things tell- like this are good yeah to to combat that yeah i I will tell you that like you know at least the goal with that pitch is like to kind of all the under the hood stuff going on with publishing rights and like different royalty payouts and like all these copyright updates all around the world i want to kind of bring that down from the execs out to like everybody in the crew just like dude this is how it works (laughs) like do this Mm -hmm. um anyways so aside from all of that so because you're very, very active in sync at this point, you know, both in that pitch, outside of that pitch, you're killing it. Um, your experience, like in the industry as a whole, you know, you're in Nashville, um, you know, or would you say you're like very active in the scene or you're really just like a studio cat at this point? In in the Nashville scene? What do you, yeah, what do you mean? Well, cause you're in Nashville, right? Everybody's like, Hey, like we're here locally, you know, doing a lot of local work or you mainly kind of. Um, what I'm saying is like yeah. being in that location. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of remote, um, but but also it, being in Nashville does have its advantages. Sure. Times like uh, I've I'm I'm starting a new project, uh, like as of yesterday that nice. um, that that it's like a it's like a thing that's normally just a typical remote sync type of thing, but uh, it it has vocals, and so I yesterday I contacted a bunch of people and set up three. I have like three rights for January that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in Nashville. So it comes in handy, like stuff like that. Yeah. So what, what's your, handy. what's your goal for, for those rights? Are you going to be, you know, working them, you know, in, in for sync or are you putting them out as artist project? What's kind of the goal? Yeah. It's, or just for fun. Yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very specific brief with the publisher. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome, yeah. dude. So you, you've been a lot yeah. more active in outside of the, that pitch realm. I'm so stoked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to, trying to, you know, put, put cards everywhere and, yep. uh, you know, some things don't work out over time. Some things do work out really well. So yep. leverage we'll, we'll whatever what you got. But, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think every, everyone trying to do sync should not put all their cards in one, Absolutely. one yeah. spot. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone's asked me regarding that pitch. Like, I mean, we're the only one that's doing it. Like, we're the only B two B distributor, you know, because like all these mm-hmm. companies work with us exclusively. But uh, at this, you know, anybody who asks me, like, hey, should like I try to get tied with a publisher, or a music supervisor, or a sync agent, an ad agency? Duh! Like, what do you like? <laughs> my whole goal is for you to make money. I don't care if it comes through that pitch. Like, I just want sync to be accessible for everybody so like you should absolutely be reaching out to everyone and everything you can like mm-hmm. you know absolutely yeah um, yeah definitely that's awesome man well listen um what i want to do is because you just landed five tracks <laughs> um i want to listen to at least one of them um okay I think it'll really properly explain your sound and um actually let before we before we do that, really quick, um, quality and quantity. You are like the okay. king of this to me. You specialize. You, you have a very defined sound. What is your kind of, I mean, strategy regarding making music for sync at this point? I feel like you have it like very systemized at this point. Uh, I I feel like I've done I've done both ways very hard. Like I've done quantity very hard and like just done a ton of tracks. I've done quality very hard and worked on like very few tracks for a very long time um and I, th- I think that both are important to any any producer or composer or whatever i th- i think that there should be a time when you're doing a lot of quantity 
So it's going to help you get good really fast. And I think there's, you have to have, you have to balance that. You can't just do a ton of quantity forever, yeah. or you're never going to spend the time that it takes to get like, it's at a certain point, you know, doing a ton of tracks, isn't going to get you better at some point, at some point you have to spend the time to work on the quality side and, and get that going. And then, and when you balance, you balance both and like some projects, you might do a lot of quantity. Some projects are like, okay, this is going to be a quality project. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's, I think it's in sync music. I think you have to be good. You have to be good at both. And, um, <clears throat> I, I know, I know people who fight for quality or fight for quantity, but, uh, and a lot, and a lot of people end up, hopefully you end up just doing quality, Yeah. you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, I just want to be doing like a one track a week, mm -hmm. like as good as I can get it, you know, spending, you know, just focusing on that for yeah. an entire, well, entire week, stuff like that. I, I, you know, I would 100% agree with you, but I would even go further as to say that I think quality is completely subjective. Like, I think you and I have both studied music. We've, you know, we work very, very hard, do it for a living. And, you know, we both have like our own accolades of like what we've accomplished from a tangible perspective. And then you kind of like look back and I don't know if you've gotten to this point Career. But I certainly have where the vast majority of music that I'm listening to right now is making fun of music. <laughs> like, I'm just like, it's just don't take it seriously at all. You know, like you do need to learn those rules of like basic sort of stuff. But like, I got to tell you, dude, like some of my favorite records sound like a joke. <laughs> and I don't know why, but like, I just, I like like Chunk of Change by Passion Pit. It's a, you know, it's a technically, technically it's a poorly produced record. It's like poorly mixed. There's like notes that are off, but Chris Zane is like my favorite producer of all time. Did a fantastic job of like cleaning up. Michael Angelakis is an incredible songwriter. And you know what? I like the mistakes. I think it's cool, you know? So like yeah. I, when people get like really, really like, oh, quality, 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 I get it. But like, you know, Bruce Springsteen, like Rolling Stone, he thought that track was shit and that's the one that blew up. So you just like never know. You just never like, know. you never know. That That's why the whole thing with that pitch is unlimited uploads. Cause like, I don't know what's going to land, but I know if you got more of them, you got more of a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. That's true. But I, I think you've done both extremely well. Like you obviously put a lot of work into each track. You know that there's certain sounds that resonate, uh, you know, with the, is it Evo or Evo, E-V-O-E? I still don't know. I cool. Know, man. Whatever, uh, whatever Lincoln's moniker is, you, <laughs> you do a great job of like, you have a consistent sound. It's a brand. You make a lot of it. And I think when clients are looking for that specific thing, you know, you're, you've become a go-to. So um, yeah, anyways, man. Well, cool. Uh, let's listen to a track, uh, you know, that's EVOE or EVO. Who, who knows? You know, whatever well, mood I, we're in. I think this, I don't remember if this one's, a, I don't remember what track it is. Oh, is this a different moniker? I, I think, yeah, I think it just might be under my name or, okay, cool. I don't know. We'll see. It's something. It's doing something it's somewhere. Something. So, <laughs> cool. All right, we're going to listen to this track. Here we go. Uh, this one's called No Time Left.
Yeah, thanks. I I love doing stuff like that because it's it's so it's so placeable, not like just for the libraries that TPs work with, but for like for them to put it in TV. Yeah, it, that's it. I I love doing those briefs because I feel like okay, there's there's a million TV shows that use music like this every day. Yeah. So the, yeah. what's what is uh, awesome and sad about this is that this type of music could be used by like a, it could be used in gladiator. It could be used in a murder documentary and it could be used for like Kim Kardashian. Like it's, it's insane. It could be used for, like somebody just released gossip about, you know, her aunt. It's like, Oh my God. (laughs) That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, that's, that's what's dope about this is like, you think it's actually very specific and it's really not. It's just a mood for tension. Like this, this song, the classic, like, let's have some tension orchestra heads. We got the, the deep brass, you know, and it's just, ah, ah, (laughs) he's in Shutter Island, dude. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, uh, you're the king of this. Um, well, anyways, dude, um, two questions I ask, uh, before we end up, uh, you know, closing shop for today. Um, number one, uh, is anybody who's pursuing a career in music, what would you, like, what advice would you give them? And then number two, where can people find you online? If there's, you know, there's plenty of people who listen to this that, uh, license directly. And, you know, our friend Federico just got a $2,000 deal from a Canadian. <laughs> you saw a Canadian filmmaker. You saw that online. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Stemming from that pitch. So I want, I want to make sure those are reaching out to you as well. Um, so yeah, man, both of those. Okay. Oh, uh, what was the first one? Oh, oh yeah, advice, what advice? advice for people. Okay, yeah. uh, I would say something I really struggled with early on was I I tried so hard. I guess it's kind of back to quality quantity. I tried so hard to make every track so good, and I should have just made a ton of tracks. I should have just made like given myself a time limit, made a track, said it is done at this point, mm. and and get it as good as you can in that time frame. And I should have I should have done that, and and I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been holding those six tracks that were my first that pitch uh, placement. I wouldn't have held held those so close um, if I had made a ton more tracks. And I would probably be better sooner if I had gone quantity at the start instead of quality at the start. Mm. So that would that'd be my advice: just make a ton of tracks and and don't spin forever on them. There's don't a there's have a saying twenty intros. Yeah, in there's there's a saying that masterpieces are abandoned, not finished. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. You're good at abandoning your work. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, for where you can find me, I have I've, I've, I do a lot of trailer music. I don't know if you know that, but uh, I've been doing a lot more trailer music lately. Can't, can't tell. So been, can't tell. <laughs> so I've been uh, uploading some of that to YouTube. So I have a YouTube channel, Lincoln Davis Composer. Um, you can check that if you want to. I have a website, Lincoln Davis Composer. My Instagram is Lincoln Davis Music. So yeah, amazing, dude. Lincoln, pleasure having you, bro. Uh, thanks for being in the TP crew for, you know, past couple of years, man. I'm so thankful for you being here. Yeah. Been a, yeah. a great uh, contributor to the community. You're killing it. Making all the moolah. Thanks. Very proud of you, bro. 